Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 6. Praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Just lift your hands for a moment right where you are. Heavenly Father, my Lord Jesus, we are here today, my Lord. And I, my Father, put myself in disposal of your hands, my Lord. I'm a vessel in your hands, my Lord Jesus. I pray that you may speak, my Lord Jesus, words, my Father, that need to be spoken today, my Lord Jesus. That I may be sensitive, my Father, to your spirit and the ears, my Lord Jesus, that are going to hear this word. That can be opened up, my Father, that your word may not fall on deaf ears, my Lord Jesus, but that we may be doers of your word this morning, Father. We magnify your name, my Lord. We know that your word will fulfill its purpose this morning. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah. Exodus chapter 1, verse 6, verse, uh, chapter 20, verse 1 says, and God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Verse 6, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Amen. Hallelujah. You may take your seat. Praise the Lord. And uh, we take, we've taken a piece here out of the very, I'm going to say, commonly known, amen, Ten Commandments. And we have here, amen, the first three, praise God, which are commandments that talk about a relationship between mankind and God. They are commandments specifically uh, between a, a relationship between you and your God, between me and God, between us, amen, and the Lord God. They are specifically targeted uh, uh, for a, a personal relationship with God. Amen. And let me tell you, God loves mankind. I think it's a statement that is too commonly uh, just uttered in the world. Uh, but God truly loves mankind. When you think about uh, his goodness, when you think about uh, um, what he has done, what the Lord uh, does on a daily basis, what he has structured, what he has left in the word, you truly understand, you truly start realizing how much God loves mankind, how much God loves you, amen. And since the very beginning, we see that his love goes beyond what, what, 
we can comprehend or conceptualize or think. Amen. Sometimes we don't truly understand that we have from creation to the garden to Noah to Abraham to Moses throughout all scripture. We see God's abundant love. Amen. We see his love towards mankind. And, and that's who he is. That's what he does. Even in the moments of pain, in the moments of destruction, we can see God's love towards us. And God wants a relationship with man. He wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with me. And, you know, in so much that the, these first three commandments that he gave to Moses are between you and God. He desires, he desires a relationship with you. He desires to, to be close to you, for you to want him, for you to want that relationship, that closeness in him. You know, the psalmist asked there in, in Psalm chapter 8, he says, what is man that you are mindful of him? What is man that you are mindful of him? He knew that we are faulted beings. He knew that we're given to sin, that left to our own devices, we, we stray away. We, we, we go towards sin. He knew that. And he asked, what is man? Why are you so mindful of man? And that was the question. Why? What is so special about mankind? And although we, you can derive many possibilities, we see different scriptures on how he, he just loves you and how he loves us, amen. We see a clear picture, amen, a clear scripture of his compassion towards man. And how since the beginning he's dealt in covenants, he's dealt with his people because we have a God that is serious about relationship. He's willing to put his word down in a covenant and honor it. You know, we can also see how he gave man the ability to reason. He gave us thought patterns. He gave us dominion over things created. We have a God that holds us in an incredibly special place, much higher than we deserve. We hold a special, special place for God. It is a place that not even the angels have. We, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dear place that we hold with God. And when you think about it, a God that has everything, why is he so mindful of us? Why does he love us so much? And, and that answer, you know, that, that is a question that I'm going to ask him when we're up there. And, and you know what? It may take me a whole eternity to understand how he loves, why he loves, and, and why he does those things. And we're probably going to have our mind blown away about how, if, if there is a mind pattern in heaven, um, on how he operates and how and why he does those things. You know, but... Unfortunately, sometimes we, through sin, have broken that fellowship. We've broken that relationship with God. 
Sadly, man has always found a way to stray from God. Too often, we place God in competition with other gods. When he has said that we shall have no other gods before him, repeatedly he has to contend with our jobs, with our spouses, with our families, with money, with material things, and sometimes even with our own attitudes. And way too often he has to, he, he, he contends with that. And we make the mistake of living life for us, fulfilling our will, fulfilling our own selfish desires. We make a choice to live for us and not for God. Ultimately, this lifestyle choice will catch up to us and we'll end up making mistakes that sometimes cannot be undone, undone or they have serious consequences. You know, serious issues in our lives. There may have been a time when you were serving God diligently but due to a choice, you strayed away from the covering, from the promise, the blessing of God. And you're now picking up the pieces and trying to re-engage into a relationship with God. You know, and way too often that cycle happens. I mean, I'm so glad that you are not mind readers. If you would know the things that go through my mind sometimes, you would be like, how are you preaching? You know, but the reality is that we serve a God that is forgiving. We serve a God that is not too late to forgive, amen. And did not, he does not just forgive, he forgets, amen. And so we serve God and we come humbly towards him, amen. And we just render our faults. We leave our, 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 our uh, transgressions, amen, amen, on the altar for the one and only that can wash them away. What can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, amen. We serve a God that is compassionate. A God, a, um, again, that loves you so much. All you have to do is bring it to the altar, is bring it to him. He will take care of the rest. He is way too anxious. He is anxious just waiting for you, saying, come on down. I know what you did yesterday. I know what you did this morning. I know what you did 10 minutes ago. Just come to me. Come to me. Amen. He won't fight you on that. He won't give you a guilt trip. He will forgive you. But you have to speak the words. You have to say the words. You need to come with that heart, with that contrite heart. Amen. Let's turn to the book of Genesis chapter 21. Genesis 21 verse 5. Genesis 21 verse 5 says, 
Now Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh and all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. Verse 8, so the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast. And on the same day that Isaac was weaned. Verse 9. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, mocking Isaac. Sarah saw her mistake mocking the promise of God in her life. Sarah saw the mistake that she had done, the fault that she had done approximately 13 years before that. That mistake was mocking the promise of God in her life. And that mistake was laughing at her son, was laughing at what God could do in her life. And, 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 and let me tell you something. Sometimes... Your mistake, sometimes the actions that you've done in the past will mock you and the adversary will come and give you that guilt feeling, that guilt trip. But let me tell you something, you serve a God that is way too compassionate, that is way too abundant in love, that, that he cannot say to you, come here, my son, he will absolutely do it. He will absolutely welcome you back into the sheepfold. It doesn't matter how much your mistake laughs at you. It doesn't matter how much guilt the adversary brings into your life. He will accuse you. He will absolutely accuse you. The Bible says that he is the accuser of the brethren. But we have somebody who is high and mighty. Amen. We have somebody that can wipe away your sin. We have somebody that can wash you white as snow. There is someone that can forgive you today. It does not matter what has happened in your life. Even when you see it in front of you. Sometimes the report of the doctor. Sometimes the report of, of the, the physical report that you'll see coming to your life. I mean your bills, your mortgage, all that. They're not lies. They're real. They're true. Amen. But we have somebody that works in the miraculous. Amen. We have somebody that can do the impossible. We serve a God. Amen. That can absolutely do the impossible in our lives. Praise the Lord. And maybe you're in a situation. Amen. Like I said, where that mistake is laughing at you. It is mocking you. But there is promise for you. Amen. There is promise for you. Maybe at one time you received a direct word from God about a promise or a blessing from him. But your mistake mocks you. And you won't, you can't, you won't, you know, you can't let it, you, you won't reestablish a relationship with God. You are not shackled by that mistake. You are not shackled by that. No matter how much it laughs or mocks, the Bible says Satan, amen, is the accuser. If you lived a life of sin while separated from God, you are a prime candidate to bring that to the altar today. 
You can bring it to the altar today. You no longer have to live with that shame or that guilt. The word of God is greater than your mistake. The promise of the word is greater than any mocking, shame-filling event in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give him a hand. Praise for that. Hallelujah. So bring that to the altar. Bring it to God. Bring it to the one that since the beginning has wanted a relationship with you. Amen. Bring to the one that says, come to me, all ye that are labor and heavy laden. I will give you rest. That's what he says. I will give you rest. And he also says, amen, his word says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. We have a high priest that can sympathize with you, and he can sympathize with me. It's not that we're perfect. It's not that I'm perfect. Amen. Because we're not. We fall short. Amen. We fall so short of the glory of God. We're all familiar with the story of David. It's, it's been used so many times in so many messages. When he sinned and took Bathsheba, amen, as his wife or took her in. That's in 2 Samuel 12, 24. I want to read right now and what he did was was no light thing it was wrong back then it's wrong now it was bad it was it was really bad to think that he took a woman killed her husband I mean it was an atrocity. It was tragic. But let me read verse 24. It says, and this is after the child had died. This is after she had conceived and the child died. And after that, you know, after he had came to the Lord. And he says, then David comforted Bathsheba his wife, and went into her and lay with her. So she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon, and the Lord loved him. The Lord loved him. In the middle of that wrong, in the middle of that tragic, atrocious situation, there was fruit in there. God loved. There was beauty that came out of those ashes. Now, David still paid a high price for his wrongdoing. But God, the Lord turned for good what the devil meant for evil, what the devil meant for wrong. And, and there's comfort in this scripture when it says that Solomon came and it says, and the Lord loved him. You know, I'm not excusing what he did, what David did. 
But in the midst of the mistake, uh, there was, you know, there sprung out a situation. And my Bible says that was loved by God. There was beauty in that. But he took his case to the Lord. David took his case to the Lord. He brought it to the altar. He brought it to the only one that could change the situation in his life. He didn't just go on being king or a man without turning back to God. No, he turned back to God. He turned back to God. And when you're having, when you're having car trouble, you don't say, I'm going to wait till my car runs better. Until I take it to the mechanic. You, you don't say that, right? Or when you're feeling sick, you don't say, I'm going to wait till I get better to go see the doctor. You don't say that. When you have a toothache, you don't say, oh, I, I'm going to wait till it goes away before I go see the dentist. You don't wait to, to for that situation to get better for that situation to change in order to see the specialist on that. Amen. Why would it be any more different with your relationship with God? You do not have to wait to be in a better place or be a better person to give your life to God in order to reestablish a relationship with the one that loves you so much. Because you're not going to get better. It's not going to get better. Because we are incapable of bettering ourselves. We cannot do it out of our own strength. We cannot do it out of our own mind. You know, the one that is willing to forgive you, that has already redeemed you. His word says in Romans 5 eight, it says... But God demonstrates his own love towards us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to be better so that he could then die for us. He died for us while we were still sinners, while we were still evil, while we were still incapable, amen, of loving him. While, while we just didn't deserve that. He died for us while we were still in the pits of sin. And, and that is the God that we have. If we could just understand that, if we could just understand that God loves us, that he loves you. He desires a relationship with us. Psalms 32, 3 says, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. These were words of the psalmist David. He says, while I kept my mouth shut, while I didn't come to you, while I didn't bring my sin to you, while I didn't bring my situation to you, 
My bones grew, grew old inside. I was miserable. I was like a desert. He describes it uh, in another passage like the deer pants for the water. How the deer is, is searching, seeking for the water. He says, my heart pants for you. He was in a miserable state. All this while he didn't bring his situation to God. It wasn't until he brought it to the house of God. I don't know where he did it. But it wasn't until he brought it to the Lord. You know, and the situation isn't going to change until you bring your issues to God. You have to bring it to the altar. It doesn't matter if you've been in church 20 years, two weeks, two hours, or two minutes. God is giving you an opportunity to change your life. And sometimes even us, old folks in, in church, you know, speaking, we have to bring our attitudes. We have to bring, amen, our thoughts. We need to bring our hearts to God. And he is giving us an opportunity for repentance today. He wants you and I to go in a different direction. If we're going the wrong way, he is the only way. He is the only way, amen. Again, your God loves you way too much for you to think, I can't do this. I'm going to serve him from the outskirts. I'll just get close enough so that I can feel good, so that my conscience feels good. You know what? God wants you to bring your guilty conscience to him. You would be amazed at what he can do with a guilty conscience. You would be amazed the release that you will have, the forgiveness that you will feel. When you bring that to God, when you bring it to him, when you bring it to the altar. Let me remind you again, the type of God that we serve. Open to Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah 43. I've been reading that chapter so much these last weeks. It has spoken to me in many, many different ways. Isaiah 43, verse 22. Oh, God, hallelujah. 43:22 says, But you have not called upon me, O Jacob, and you have been weary of me, O Israel. This is God talking, amen, to his people. So he's calling on them. He's telling them what they have not done. How they have not served him. And so he says, you have not brought me the sheep for your burnt offerings, nor have you honored me with your sacrifices. I have not caused you to serve with, great, with grain offerings, nor wearied you with incense. You have bought me no sweet cane with money, nor have you satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices. 
but you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. So the Lord is talking to them. He's, he's, he's giving them word and is saying, you have not done this. You have not sacrificed for me. You have not honored me. You have not worshipped me. You have not served me. But let me tell you what you have done. You have burdened me with your sin. You have wearied me with your iniquities. And so he is making light. He is showing them. He is telling them the things that they have done wrong. The things that he does not like. The things that, the things that are happening. Amen. But verse 25. Look at the type of God that we serve. This should scream at you. The pages of the, the words should jump out of this pages here for you right now. It says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. Let me tell you something. You can state your case in a court of law here in this country. And it does not mean that you are going to win. It does not mean that you will be acquitted. It, may, it does not mean that you will be found innocent. But God says, bring all your junk to me. Bring all that you have. State your case. And he's already telling you, I am going to acquit you of whatever it is that you bring. It doesn't matter if you did it on purpose. It doesn't matter if you did it with a conscious mind and you delved into that sin. Bring it to me. He says, let's contend together. Talk to me. Talk to me. Bring it to the altar. Speak those words to me. I will forgive you. He says, I blot out your transgressions for my own sake. In other words, I want to do that. It benefits me to forgive you. He says, I will not remember your sins. He will not remember them. If we hung out together, I might remember your sin. I might remember what you did wrong. But he doesn't. And that's where it counts. That's where it counts. So whether you need to check in your attitude, you need to check in a behavior, or you need to check in some type of sin, whatever it is, we all need something from God today. You know, and maybe 2020, you lived a life that left much to be desired. Maybe your colleagues, your friends, all they saw was a two-faced hypocrite that lied, cheated, cursed with them, that lived in sin, or lived a life that was not totally given to God, not totally given to Christ. But you have an opportunity today God is at the door. He is at hand. While you have breath, there is an opportunity for you. Amen. 
you have an opportunity to look at your mistake, to look at your adversary and say, no more. No more. Amen. I live for Christ now. I live for the one that died for me. I live for the one that changed my life, that washed away my sin. Amen. That took us out of the mud. Amen. I live for him now. You have that opportunity today. You can recommit your life to God, to a God that loves you. He wants that relationship with you. He wants it. That promise that you've had, amen, since you were in your mother's womb, that has put you here with a purpose for such a time as this. You are here for such a time as this. Don't let it pass you by. Because it can. When God doesn't have a vessel here, he'll look for another vessel over there. Do not let it pass you by. We need a people that are ready to make a change. People that are ready to be engaged People that are ready to turn a page in their lives and start living for God with action in their lives. You do not, amen, like I said, you do not have to wait to be a better person. God wants you today just as you are. He wants us today. And again, whether you've been here 20 years or have been here a few days or served God for a few days. Have a moment of thought. Say, Lord, am I living for you? Am I really living for you? Or do I need to, is there something that I need to bring? Is there something that I need to change in my life? And I want to invite you today, if you are able to, come to this altar. Because the Lord is at hand. He is knocking. He wants you. He wants that relationship with you. You serve a God that just loves you too much to not be able to forgive you. I want to invite you. This altar is open. Come. Come to the altar. Lay it down before the one and only that can do something about it. Lay it down before him. And let's worship him. Let's come to terms with him. Say, Jesus, I want to live for you. I want to and as our worship team leads us in a song, we're going to pray, amen, and we're just going to take a moment, amen, with our God, because you can absolutely fight this battle. You can absolutely win this battle. Whatever situation is happening, our God is greater than that. Our God is greater than that. Let's lift our hands, amen. If you could stand.
And again, if you can, if you want to come to this altar, let's lay it down before our God. But let's praise him. Amen. Let's praise that mighty name of Jesus. No one is too perfect to, to not ask for forgiveness. I even ask for forgiveness daily. I said, Lord, my iniquities, forgive my iniquities, my Lord. If I've done something, Jesus, that does not honor your name, that does not bring glory to you, my Lord Jesus, 